Hello and welcome to Restoration Church's teaching podcast. We are in Prescott, Arizona. My name is Nate Huss and I'm one of the team members here. And uh, if this is your first time, welcome. We're so glad that you could tune in. Will you please take a moment just to grab your Bible and we are going to dive in together. Okay, so I'm hoping today is kind of a shot in the arm. I'm hoping today is a bit of encouragement for you. I hope that's the case every single time that we gather, but especially in my heart today is just to be able to uh, go to God's word and um, allow it to and lift us up. Um, if you have your Bible, you can go to Ephesians, go to chapter one. We're going to kind of bounce around a couple places today, but uh, at least... Uh, You'd have a starting place and an ending place there in, in Ephesians. Um, have you ever um, had one of those moments with a friend or with a, a family member where you just got giggling about something and you couldn't stop and you didn't know if your heart was going to just explode from joy or uh, happiness or you'd wet yourself or what the outcome was going to be, but you knew that it was just one of those God moments uh, with a close friend or a family member. You know, God can choose any time to swoop in and just kind of encourage your heart. And it only takes a couple seconds sometimes, and you can use those moments to remind you just how much he wants to bless you just how much uh, relationships matter. God chose a moment a couple of years ago with my daughter and I. Um, we'd go up at night occasionally, and if it, Anna wasn't on duty, then I would go up and read my daughter a story, and she'd pick out the story. She's in second grade now, but a couple of years ago, the stories that she were reading were books that were mostly pictures. They had a couple of words on a page, the books were made of cardboard, and, uh, but we loved it. We'd snuggle in bed, turn the lights down, open a book, and then I would read it. She picked this book on this particular night. The book's called Sharing. I knew it was going to be riveting right from the start. And so, but I didn't care because I'm with my little girl. So we snuggle up, the lights are dim, we open the book, and this is how it starts. Sandra shares her orange drink with Billy. Mm. See how sweet? This is great. I'm already going, how long? How many pages is this? But I didn't care. We're snuggled up and we're, we're flipping through the pages, enjoying the time together. And then we get to this particular page. Now, I'll tell you what this page says. Um, this page says, Bobby shares his paints with Linda. Now, I don't know if it's because I was a little tired, the light was dim, or I'm kind of checked out at this point, but it says Bobby shares his paints with Linda, but what I read accidentally out loud was Bobby shares his pants with Linda. And immediately I'm like, what kind of horrible kid's book is this? And my daughter didn't miss a beat. She goes, Bobby shouldn't share his pants with Linda. I said, you're right. You shouldn't share your pants with anybody. And if Bobby ever tries to share his pants with you, daddy's going to share his fist with Bobby's face. And we just started laughing. And the joy in that moment to this day, every time we see this stupid book, we'll start laughing. 
And it was that moment that God just chose to reach down and remind me of just how much I loved my little girl. I've had those moments with my wife. I've had those moments with my little boy. And then I've had those moments with the Lord too, where he reaches in and just reminds you for a minute, hey, I actually love you. And I really like being in a relationship with you. Do you know the gospel isn't just about like a legal transaction where God did something for you that set you free? It's not just a legal declaration where you went from being guilty to not guilty. It's not just a thing where you got salvation or you got forgiveness. I hope that you have those things because those are crucial But what is also core to the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for me and you, is relationship. What's also crucial is that he rescued you, he's forgiven you, he's saved you so that you can be in relationship with him. You know, when Jesus rescues me and you, I think a whole lot takes place that we're not always really aware of. Yes, there's a massive change from guilty to not guilty, etc. But there's also something that the Bible talks about that he does for us when he rescues us called adoption. And when Jesus rescued you, which by the way, um, we were lost and then he found us. I think language is kind of important, and I know we don't always mean it, but I don't like the phrase, you know, when I was 12, I found Jesus. When I was 24, I found God, and my life's been different ever since. I know what you mean, but that kind of sounds like God was lost, and you found him. Let's just be clear. In that equation, we're the lost ones, and he's been pursuing us. He's been seeking us, and somewhere along the line at 12 or 24 or whatever, we discovered that he was searching us out, and then came the life change. We moved from being lost to found. We moved from being an orphan to family. And today, I would just love to talk to you about why I believe being adopted by God is better than being an orphan of this world. He wants to be in relationship with you. And, and when, when he rescued you, he adopted you into his family. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. Listen to this. Ephesians is incredibly rich with regard to who Jesus is, what he's done for me and you. If you get a chance to go dive in and read the whole book this week, go for it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In other words, before the foundation of the world was laid, God had your picture hanging on his wall. And he chose you. Not just to rescue you, not just to forgive you, but to adopt you as his kid. Look, in love, he predestined or decided ahead of time. He predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself, according to his favor and will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored us with in the beloved. 
God's heart is all about adoption. And when he saved you, he also adopted you. He he chose you to be a part of his family. He chose you to be one of his kids. Now, the problem with that is, in our day and age, um, most of us have daddy issues. (laughs) And if we don't have specific daddy issues, then... Um, you don't have to go too much farther out of your own home to recognize family problems. And when we hear family, when we hear dad, when we hear adoption, a lot of times it comes with a flinch or we tense up because our experience with it has been hard, difficult, or hurtful. I just want to remind us here that God's always speaking in contrast to the way of the world. God's always speaking in contrast to the way that the enemy operates. And it would be easy to make an immediate comparison. God wants to be my dad. I know my dad. That wasn't good. Ooh, I don't want God to be my dad. Just remember, he's talking about the way things should have been. He's talking about the way things could be. He's talking about the way things will be someday. And this adoption is a huge factor in in that that regard. There's no getting around it. Family, your earthly family, the way God really intended, was meant to give you something. God's design was that family was meant to give you something, a whole lot of something, actually. And maybe when we didn't get what family was meant to give us. The temptation is for me and you to go looking in the world for the things that family was meant to give that didn't give. And we go substitute out or look for a replacement. So many of you have difficult family stories. Some of you maybe even lost family members. You had a good one and then lost them for whatever reason. And, and what I'm just hoping is that, not to make light of that, because that's really challenging and real and difficult, but what I'm hoping is that you would just see just how much God and his relationship with you is still there, still valid, and that he can do and will do things that your family could never have done, even if it was perfect, We have a dear friend, an older sister in in the Lord that lost her dad when she was young and when she was getting married, she had all these people come and go, well, um, do you want the brother to walk you down the aisle during the wedding ceremony? Do do you you want an uncle to walk you down the aisle? Do you want... And she said, no, my heavenly father is going to walk me down the aisle. And she walked down the aisle alone and still to this day, 50, 60 years later, recounts that as a real vivid memory that she has of the presence of the Lord just kind of walking with her as she came down the aisle to her actual husband that she was going to to marry. What a gift. I'm hoping that that would take place maybe for some of you that just need to be reminded or hear for the first time what it really means that God's adopted you as as his own. Family is more than blood and genetics. And uh, when you understand God's adoption, you understand that 
when he adopted you, he gave you a good name, a caring parent, and a secure future. He gave you a whole lot more, but we'll talk about those three. A good name, a caring parent, and a secure future when he adopted you. A a, a good name. Uh, Look at John chapter 1, verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this about Jesus. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be called children of God to those who believe in his name. Children of God, child of God, that's your name. I know you've got a first name. I know you've got a last name. What's maybe more important than your actual name is child of God. If Jesus rescued you, you're adopted, then a huge descriptor, a huge part of your identity is child of God. Did you wake up this morning and look in the mirror and go, good morning, child of God? Or did you wake up this morning, look in the mirror like I didn't win? You know? But, but child of God, it, it can kind of, it maybe doesn't even make your list at all of who you are. Or it comes way down the list. But that's true of your identity. When he adopted you, he gave you his name. He, he wants to be able to define you, give you your identity. And part of that comes with your name. Names mean a lot, right? Think about names that we're familiar with. Just the name and how it can conjure up all sorts of other thoughts. Disney. Oprah. Bieber. Martin Luther King Jr. Abraham Lincoln. John Wilkes Booth. Adolf Hitler. See, the name itself can carry more than just the name. And then being associated, imagine being associated with Lincoln's name. Okay, that's good. Imagine being associated with Hitler's name. Not so good. And so these names are really, really crucial and really, really important. And God's happy to adopt you as his own and give you his name. Christian means little Christ. And then he's proud to call you child of God. Can I ask you, who are you? Who who are you really? If you had to answer that question, who are you? But you couldn't tell me what you did for a living, how many kids you had, your marital status. Who are you? How would you answer it? Is it just your successes? Is it your accomplishments? Some people say that who they are is just defined by what everybody else thinks. Man, good luck with that. I've had experience in that world. It's exhausting. When you feel like you have just allowed everybody else to define you, man, you're stuck because in a room this size right now, every single one of you got a different opinion about me. So which one of you is right? Which one of you gets to define the real me? Other people think that who they are is defined on how they see themselves. That's even worse. Because if you're like me, then I'm doing okay today, but talk to me tomorrow. 
So which day is the accurate me? What if who you really are is how God sees you? What if who you really are at the core is what God has said about you? And one of the many things that he has used to describe you is child of God. You got a driver's license, you got an ID card. I know you got a name on there, but you could replace that with child of God. And when you forget who you are, you look back to it. I'm a child of God. Yeah, but I just screwed up yesterday. Yeah, but I just failed. Yeah, but they told me this. Yeah, but my emotions said that. No, child of God, sucker. That's what God says. That's the trump card. This is more valid. This is more true. And so he gave you a, a good name. He gave you a brand new identity as his kid. He's given you a good name. He's also given you the sense of what a caring parent should be like. For those of you that are parents, our model is, is God himself. I mean, how he cares for us is how I want to care for my kids. Now, I fail miserably at that. But by his grace, that's where I keep my eyes on. He, he's the standard. But he's also a caring parent to me. He's been a caring parent to me through a roller coaster of family stuff. He's been a caring parent to you through a roller coaster of parent stuff. He, he's a caring parent. Uh, if you skip back to Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4, listen to this, verse 4. When the time came to completion, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, listen, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Adoption as daughters. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, which means daddy, father. Abba, father. Daddy, father. So you are no longer a slave Listen, but a son. You're no longer a slave, but a son. You're no longer a slave, but a daughter. And if a son, if a daughter, then an heir. Don't, don't think too little of yourself from God's perspective. Don't minimize the person and the work of Jesus. Don't minimize the doctrine of adoption by thinking less of yourself than what God says about you. He's adopted you. He's chosen to adopt you. He cares for you that much. To adopt you as a son, to adopt you as a daughter, now the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God Almighty, has chosen to adopt you. Now get this, all of the rights and privileges that come with being a son and daughter of the King are yours. I'd venture to say half of us don't even know all the rights and privileges that we have as a son or daughter of the king. Maybe we'll talk about that next year. But you've got so many blessings, so many rights, so many privileges. Do we have duties? You bet. But they all come with being a son or daughter of the king. 
And he's chosen to bless you in that regard. That is more like your debit card or your credit card or a bank account that God has established in your name as a caring parent. He went out and he set up the account. He established it. And then he's loaded your account with a whole bunch of resources. Resources like grace, resources like mercy, resources like forgiveness, resources like the Holy Spirit, resources like discernment, resources like wisdom, you name it. He is loaded up as a caring parent does, as a caring parent would load up a whole bunch of resources that are on tap for the kids that he loves That's true for you. And there's no credit limit. (laughs) And he pays the bills. There's a cost to adoption. But Jesus paid the cost for me and you to be adopted by the Father. You don't have to pay for your own adoption. You could never pay for your own adoption. And the resources are there at your disposal from your heavenly Abba Father, Daddy Father. Daddy and Father. There's a difference, isn't there? When I hear Father, I think you're going to be strong and you're going to provide for me. Valid. When I hear Daddy, I think you can crawl up on my lap anytime you want to. And we need both. I'd figure that maybe some of you wrestle with one more than the other. But our father is also Abba, Daddy. He's a caring parent. And he can provide for your spirit in ways that our earthly parents never even could. He's given us a good name. He is a caring parent. And then lastly, he's given us a secure future. Back to Ephesians chapter 1. A secure future. Listen, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. When you heard the gospel, received the gospel, then he gave you, through this adoption, He gave you, sealed you up in the Holy Spirit. When you got rescued, when you got saved, you were given the precious Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing the inheritance that was to come. My son Brad is 15 and a half. He gets his driver's license at 16 in May. He's got his learner's permit now. And so we're, he's chauffeuring us everywhere. We have a 99 Jeep Cherokee that we've built out and we'd off-road on it or whatever. That's going to be his Jeep in six months. But we have already given him the keys to his Jeep as a deposit guaranteeing what will be his in six months. We've given him the keys to the kingdom. And the, the keys that Jesus has given you, he's the key. 
And he's the key to the kingdom. He's given you a new identity. He's given you this bank account with tons of spiritual resources. And then he's secured your future by giving you the keys to the coming kingdom that can only come through Jesus Christ. And it's secure. You're sealed up. It's a guarantee. You know, in about the time that this was being written in Roman and even Greek law, adoption was a big deal. It was formal. It's formal today for sure. But back then what they would do, if someone was going to adopt a son or adopt a daughter, what they would do is they would have to first write up a will And the will included all the inheritance that that son or daughter would receive when the dad passed away. And then they folded up the will and they had to get seven witnesses to come and each put a stamp, a seal on the will that guaranteed that this kid was now a part of the family, that guaranteed that this kid was going to get an inheritance. All these witnesses had to seal up the will that was a guarantee for the inheritance that was to come. That's the Holy Spirit, a witness to what Jesus has done, a witness to our faith, a witness to the adoption that guarantees you and I are going to be a part of this kingdom that's to come someday. He's already building the kingdom now. But someday, because he's adopted you into his family, all the junk that we're dealing with now, it's going to pass away. And the kingdom that he establishes where no more pain and no more sickness and no more tears, no more dying, no more sin. Man, I can't wait. And that's made possible because God's building his family. A whole bunch of kids that he's adopted. And I don't speak to this simply out of theory, but I speak it because I was adopted personally as a late teenager. And the special part about that was that my dad who adopted me then chose to adopt me. And he knew everything about me, even the not-so-good stuff. And he said, I choose you to be my son. And it changed everything. I got a literal name change. I carry his name. He became a caring parent, showed me really what Jesus was really like. And he secured a future for my mom and I that was both tangible, financial, but also spiritual in nature. And on a much bigger level, that's what God's doing for me and you. And he's using a lot of you along the way. He's using a lot of you that are doing actual adopting. And even when it's painful, challenging, super difficult, Were we each not that same thing to our Heavenly Father at some point? And those same resources that God has for you as his kid, he's got for you as an adoptive mom or dad. Church, if we're adopted, if we're adopted into his family, 
then that means, guess what? We are all one family. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your background. We are all one family adopted by one heavenly father. One family, one father. This body of Christ, the other bodies of Christ in our community, across this country, and across the world. Please be encouraged by the fact that you're adopted, carrying a phenomenal name, a constant, eternal, caring parent, and a future that is eternally secure because he's adopted you. So, Father, thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks so much for not just forgiving us and not just cleansing us and not just rescuing us. Thank you for not just dying on the cross for our sins, but thank you, God, that you did all that to redeem us for your praise and your glory. Thank you that you did that to be in relationship with us. Father, I ask right now that you would uh, give an abundance of your resources, strength, mercy, grace, whatever it might be, discernment to those that are maybe in positions where they're having to minister to adoptive kids or challenging family situations or they've lost a family member and they're hurting or they're wondering what family's going to look like next. Uh, Pray that you would fill up what we're lacking, Lord, as our heavenly daddy, our caring parent. Help us keep our sights, not just on today or this week, but eternity. Remind us often of who we really are. Remind us often of just how much you love us. Thank you for these precious people, this precious family. Thanks that you're our daddy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Ron. I thought it was a little bit too warm, so I changed. <laughs> we uh, have the privilege, two weeks in a row, of celebrating baptisms. And so, uh, in just a moment, Madeline is going to be getting baptized. And uh, we look forward to that. Yeah. Prior to that, we're going to respond in worship how we always do, which is by taking communion. And so the elements for communion are on these tables on either side of me. And like we did last week, there's been so much discussion and teaching on unity. And so I think it's appropriate for us to take communion as one body again. And so I invite you to the tables to grab the elements for communion, grab a packet, and then return to your seat. Don't take it yet. We'll take it all together in just a moment.
the reason that we take communion every week and in response to, to any teaching is because we believe the gospel is not founded upon our belief and therefore something that we do, but rather it's founded on who Jesus is and the work that he continues to do. And so uh, as we take the, the bread and the cup together as one body in just a moment, we're remembering not only Jesus' love for us, that he was willing to give himself up as a sacrifice, which is substantial and hard to grasp in and of itself, but also the power in the name of Jesus, that he did not remain in the grave, that he conquered the grave, that he conquered sin, that he conquered Satan, and he does so in our lives today. Jesus is victorious. And so uh, Jesus is not a distant hope for some day in heaven. Jesus is a hope in the, the reality of this moment now. And so whatever your journey looks like, wherever it's taking you, he has power. He reigns today in this moment. And so let's go ahead and take uh, the bread in remembrance of his body together now. And the cup in remembrance of his blood together, knowing that the power in the name of Jesus is alive within you. Father, we thank you for the gift of communion, that we can be united to your spirit. May you lead us in all that we do in the everyday stuff of life. May your name, your name that alone is trustworthy always, no matter the moment, may it be known by the way we live, by the way you work through us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Baptism is a, a special marker for a variety of different reasons. And there's, there's two primary things that are happening when somebody gets baptized. The first is a public proclamation of truth, that Jesus is being proclaimed as the one true king, as the one true God and one true savior. And so Madeline's going to make that proclamation now for us, which is going to be beautiful. And then uh, baptism has a second part. It's not unique to Christianity. Baptisms were uh, something that occurred with a lot of different uh, religions and organizations to describe and picture a togetherness, a unity uh, of a group of people. It's the person getting baptized, joining the fold and saying, I belong with these people. And it's the people that witness that proclamation saying, we belong to you. And so following Jesus is not a mere decision, but it's a journey together through broken and beautiful. And the beauty in the church is that we do journey together. And so Madeline, oh, there you are, welcome you up here. Can you share just a little bit uh, about why you want to make this proclamation today? Yeah, sorry, I'm super emotional because <laughs> God's so good. Um, yeah, I've had a dear friend in Jesus since I was five um, when I accepted the Holy Spirit. Um, and he's always been by my side through abuse, deep depression, crippling anxiety, and all the mistakes I've made. Um, but up until last year, I devoted my life to earning my way into heaven and proving myself worthy of God's love. And I finally reached my breaking point and I faced suicidal thoughts daily. And I finally reached out for help and it was then um, that I was able just to reach up and just see God and as a father and see that he was always there, not only as a friend and not only as my savior, but as my father um, who loves me deeply. Um, and I'm getting baptized today because I am new. I have a new family in Christ, which is all of y'all. <laughs> I have, um, and I have 
a much deep, uh, deeper understanding of God's love. So I'm super excited. Amazing. Well, it will be a, an honor to be a part of this today. Will you rise with us and as Madeline's baptized, cheer, and then we will continue to worship together. much for listening. Once again, we are Restoration Church in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. And again, my name is Nate Huss. I'm one of the team members here. So glad that you were able to join us. And uh, if this is your first time listening or you've been listening for a little while and um, are still doing the online thing, I just want to encourage you, go get plugged in. Um, Restoration may not be the church for you and that's okay, but I want to encourage you, go get plugged in with the local body. Is there a church in your area that you could trust and join and, and be a part of the body of Christ? There's something that is really valuable and important about journeying together with other people who are on the journey of practicing the way of Jesus. And so um, whatever that looks like, if restoration is a, a place that you could call home and you're in Prescott, Arizona, or in one of the quad cities in the area, we would love for you to join us. If not, I just really want to encourage you, um, go get plugged into a local body. It's really, really valuable. Um, and I truly believe it is important for us on our journey of faith. And so um, again, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to restorationaz.org. And as always, remember, Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus.